Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pleasure Priority Podcast with me, Amber Taylor. This is the podcast all about how you can have the audacity to put yourself and your pleasure first, which ultimately shapes a life perfect for you. We discuss friends and family, career and money, oppression, healing, and mental health, current events, and historical ones too. Basically, all things life and pleasure and how you can create more of it authentically. I'm your host, Amber Taylor, and it's my pleasure to talk to you every week. Let's tune in. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode feels like a full circle moment for me. I worked in the identity space when I was back in tech, living my best corporate baddie lifestyle. Well, maybe that's what I told myself, even though I was always anxious and overwhelmed and thinking that any mistake I made would get me the boot. But I didn't know that it didn't have to be like that. I thought, I truly thought that living my best life had to include that daily cycle of fear and dread and not enoughness and so on and so forth. But anywho, my job in the identity space revolved around making sure that people's virtual identities have as much protection and regulation as their physical identity and making sure that you are who you say you are you're where you're supposed to be and you can only see what you're supposed to see. Essentially making sure you are who you say you are and have access to what you should have access to in both enterprise and social spaces. And this background in identifying who is best suited for specific tasks and roles and revoking access to those that no longer need it or aren't best fit to that role has been really helping myself and my clients a lot lately. There has been a collective attention on the idea of figuring oneself out or finding oneself or trying to become someone else entirely, which is why I wanted to create this episode for y'all today. So first and foremost, every part of you is important and necessary. There are no bad parts, just parts. And based on where we're at in our own journey, dictates dictates how much access we have to these different parts and how and when they show up. In my eyes, you don't have to figure out who you are because who you are is not a mystery. More so, it's um, you're on a mission of acknowledgement and acceptance of who you already are and who you've always been. However, what does need to be figured out is how you can purposely tap into the parts of you that are best suited to shine in any given situation. There's so much to our own individual identity. It's definitely not a monolith. There are so many aspects and iterations on different personality traits and canon moments that we can't just maintain one identity throughout our entire lives. We change with the world around us, but to have a more autonomous relationship with those changes, we're responsible for sussing out the newer, older, and changed parts of ourselves and deciding how we want to show up with them on purpose. 
in the process of this work, I help my clients understand how they're currently showing up in their lives and why they may be doing or not doing those things. Then we work on how they want to show up and making the changes necessary to fill the gap. And we do that by assessing these identities for strengths and weaknesses and reassigning the different identities to roles that are best suited for them and for you. It's just like with career placement and management. Everyone isn't going to thrive in the same roles with the same conditions. So you got to find everyone a role that's most conducive to them, the group as a whole, so you can function better overall. So I've found that everyone has some core identities that they operate from, but the one that everyone has in common is the critical protector. This is the part of you that's main goal is to keep you safe by any means necessary. The part that tells you not to go for it because it may not work out. The one that tells you that you just can't do it. The one that reminds you of all the times that it didn't work out before. But it's also the one that stops you from actioning on your intrusive thoughts and limits you from making the same mistakes in the same ways over and over again. The critical protector is well-intentioned, but still has to be nurtured in a way where it can grow with you instead of trying to keep you from anything unknown, any risk, or any change, even if it's one that you wanted. Because remember, our most primal version of ourselves, our primal brains, are only after our survival. And in order to survive, we need predictability. Ambiguity is the enemy of survival because anything can happen. As long as we know what's going on, we can survive. Even if those things aren't actually good for for us, if we're familiar with them, we find safety in that familiarity. So that's also how our critical protector is operating. It's not really doing what's cognitively best for us. It's doing what will keep us safe, aka what it already knows how to do. So even though it's this identity's job to keep us safe and protected, we still have to teach it how to how to grow with us and inevitably learn new things. So yeah, this role is there for a reason and it's certainly not all bad. It's just that most of our critical protectors have been working in overdrive and taking on way too much responsibility because we haven't yet built the skill of creating our own feeling of internal safety and regulating our nervous system. And again, no matter what we face, we're going to need to create our own safety to expand into something new. Critical protector doesn't want to learn how to ride a bike because it knows that we can fall down. So it is going to tell you to avoid the bike at all costs. You as a person have a goal of riding a bike and want to ride a bike. So you have to learn how to create your own safety in the experience of learning how to ride a bike. So your critical protector can calm down enough to know that it's not actually life threatening. You will survive and another identity can take over to, to manage this experience. But yeah, said another way, trauma affects us more than we often understand or realize. And whenever we experience a trauma, 
And remember, trauma is any physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, righteously, any occurrence that an individual experiences as too much, too fast, or too little for too long. And trauma is a very individual thing. Something that can traumatize one person could be completely fine to someone else. But anywho, whenever we experience a trauma, our bodies and our brains reorganize to heal us, protect us, and prepare us for the future. And when we don't acknowledge those changes over time, we can end up at war with versions of ourselves that we don't recognize. They're still us, but us in in a different way, in a different light that we need to understand. Redefining and re-understanding how we relate to our different identities, namely our critical protector and how they've had to morph to keep us alive and how we can assign or reassign responsibilities and sharpen other identities to take the burden off of the overworked identities and give us back choice after the traumas that we experience. So trauma does change you. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And yes, we're talking big T trauma and little T trauma. So that just means the big things and the little things. But anyway, the trauma that you experience isn't a bad thing. It's not something that you have to get rid of or that you can even really separate yourself from. Trauma is not like cancer in that sense. You can't cut out the bad parts and just keep it moving because there are no bad parts. Instead, it becomes a part of you. Trauma reorganizes you, your internal systems, your nervous system, and how you relate to yourself and the world around you. No, you aren't the same person as before trauma and after trauma, but you're exactly who you're supposed to be. An example I like to use for this is my ability to read the room. Well, really my ability to read a person and decipher what kind of mood they're in and how to approach them as an individual, how to approach them as part of a group, or even noticing slight shifts in the vibes or the energy based on subtle cues, either verbal or nonverbal. And we'll call this identity the energetic psychic. And this identity has served me well throughout my entire life. Even as I've used this skill in different capacities in different environments, however, this identity does stem from the trauma I experienced as a child in my household, and I was made to manage the feelings and reactions of adults. My safety, at least my perceived safety, and sometimes my actual safety, and my ability to feel safe and comfortable at home was directly dependent on my ability to read the room. My brain and my body had no other choices than to adapt and get really good at this stuff. So yes, this trauma did change me, but it's also one of the core things that makes me, me. And this skill comes in handy so much in my day-to-day, when I worked corporate, when I played sports, now in my business with my clients both one-on-one and especially in groups but with this example of my energetic psychic identity i can really show you how the critical protector can go into overdrive when left unchecked 
I explained this energetic psychic identity as I know her now, but she wasn't always this way. I used to have my critical protector really working overdrive in these areas because my critical protector latched onto the idea that bending myself to the wants and needs of others is what keeps me safe. AKA I was a master people pleaser, but ultimately at the detriment of myself. This energetic psychic identity that can use her skills to her own advantage was definitely overshadowed by the critical protector because one critical protector trumps everybody unless you consciously tell her that you got it, you're safe and to go sit down. But yeah, I had to do the work to understand why my critical protector felt like they had to go so hard in this area, why I wasn't creating my own safety slash didn't know I could create my own safety in this area, and that the skill that I learned in not the best environment can actually serve me and help me help other people's like like the the whole positive of the energetic psychic identity was getting overshadowed. And now I get to use this identity to my own benefit when I so choose, instead of letting my critical protector continue to take on all that work and make me feel bad for it. Because again, remember the critical protector's main job is our safety and our survival. It will prioritize these things above all else even if it's in direct conflict with what you actually want. That's why we have to do the work to create our own safety and regulation outside of the critical protector so we can consciously decide to take risks and step outside of our comfort zone instead of that ability constantly being strained by the critical protector's need to keep us safe. AKA safety is exactly where we're at right now. Nothing new nothing unknown, nothing ambiguous. But in doing this work and unshaming our desires, our behaviors, and ourselves, overall, we can create space to see how the critical protector is just overshadowing other identities that didn't get a chance to fully develop because they didn't have the level of safety or the acknowledgement required to thrive. When we look at them together, I help you see the version of yourself that was just yearning to be heard. And we listen instead of judge. And after that conversation, my clients then begin to relate to themselves and their internal identities so differently that they can then reassign roles and responsibilities to these identities that best serve their goals and their dreams now. It's like they go from a toxic workplace environment to the best workplace environment with work-life balance and all the things ever, but it's their own internal system. (laughs) So what does this actually look like in practice? Well, I have a couple examples of some of the identities that my clients have described that I'm going to go through with you so you can see what this looks like in practice. So one of my clients had was going to have a conversation with one of her employees that was ultimately going to end up in this person being fired. And 
she was dreading this conversation. She was dreading her employee's reaction. She was so scared to have the conversation. Her critical protector kept coming up and kept telling her, you're not cut out for this. You should have never took this job. You should have never hired this person. You're, you're not good at hiring people. If you just were good at hiring people, you wouldn't be in this situation now. So critical protector was doing what critical protector does best. But then when we got curious about it and started exploring more, we realized that it it wasn't necessarily the critical protector that was trying to keep us safe coming out, but it was it was an identity that she dubbed Marge, as in Marge Simpson with the blue hair, but it, it was Marge coming out. And Marge wanted to include compassion in the conversation. She didn't want to be just a cold-hearted boss that just fired somebody without explanation or without conversation or without compassion. Marge was coming up because she wanted my client to have compassion with tough decisions and remind her that she can infuse softness and humanity into hard situations. And once we realized that my client was able to embrace Marge, was able to hear her out, was able to stop dealing with the immense amount of dread and anxiety and trepidation around this conversation because she realized that there was just a part of herself reminding her that she can approach this hard thing in a way that feels good for her. So we reassigned that role from the critical protector to Marge. And now my client gets more familiar with Marge and just allows her to help her infuse humanity back into decision-making. And then I have another client who had a part of her critical protector that that basically told her that she couldn't get grounded, that she couldn't get rooted in this new business venture that she was exploring um, or is exploring because nobody's done it before, uh, because some people in her circle doubted her. And Critical Protector was having a hard time finding peace and groundedness. And that's because Critical Protector was looking for validation in others, was looking for permission from others. Whereas Iris, um, her, her new identity, which we found, the actual identity that was trying to, that was trying to gain co control of the situation is Iris, is this tree, is uh, like she described her legs being the trunk of the tree and feeling grounded and feeling rooted and that her waist up was the green, the branches, that she could go anywhere, that she felt flexible but strong, that she was constantly growing in all directions. Like when she tapped into this identity, she didn't need the validation that the critical protector was seeking. She understood with Iris that that validation that critical, that critical protector wanted had nothing to do with her actual safety and that she creates her safety, that Iris creates her safety and that Iris gets to exist this big tree with these big roots that's 
grounded and that tells you that you do know yourself. You do know your worth. You can trust yourself. This identity is just a strong show of support in her decision making and her acclimation to the person that she is now. And then another one of my clients uh, redefined her critical protector. It went from being this this identity that just did what it wanted when it wanted and always being scary and always being like the scared one reacting and cowering in a corner. She didn't want to see her critical protector like that anymore. So she redefined her. The new critical protector is now named Aurora. She can move mountains and molehills. She takes no shit, but she also let things go. She can be a fairy or a dragon. She does not people please over having her needs met. And I think redefining her critical protector allowed her to see like strong nuances in her own behavior and how she was showing up and how she wanted to show up and what was okay or what was appropriate for any given situation and realizing that this critical protector could be flexible. It didn't have to sound all the alarms for any minor inconvenience. It can adjust its reaction to the actual event. It can adjust its reaction to the actual stimuli in the moment instead of responding to old trauma wounds. I also had a client who named all of her identities after the Spice Girls because that's what made sense for her. There's Scary Spice and Baby Spice and all the spices because that's what allowed her to see herself and the different versions of herself as human, as valid, and as deserving of compassion. So you can definitely make this completely your own and unique to you, but it does require you to look inward with compassion instead of frustration and shame. The more familiar that you get with these identities, the more you're able to recognize them and can use them to your benefit. In the areas where the critical protector would have stepped up, now you have other options, other identities that are better suited to fulfill your roles in ways that are actually conducive to your current needs and your future desires. So if you'd like to determine your identities and how to best use them with me, go ahead and click the link in the show notes and book a sales call with me. I would love to work with you and show you what's possible when you put pleasure at the forefront of your life. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll talk to you soon and stay pleased. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pleasure Priority Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If it's your pleasure, check me out on Instagram at Amber Taylor Coaching and my website, www.ambertaylorcoaching.com for more on increasing your pleasure across all aspects of life. As always, make sure to follow the show and check back each week for a new episode. I'd also love it if you'd leave an honest rating and review. And if you'd share the show with anyone else you think would benefit. Much love. Talk soon, friends.